Well, good morning, and again, welcome to Silver Creek Church. Uh, my name is Pastor Dan, and I have the privilege to serve here on staff. Uh, pastor Todd, our lead pastor, sends his welcome as well. Uh, him and his wife are on vacation this week, a much-deserved uh, break, and so be praying for them that they have some good R&R and get, come back refreshed for what God has to come here at our church. Um, I also want to, before we dive into the message this morning, want to give you an update on last Sunday. Now last Sunday we had somewhat of a special Sunday We called it our Glow Sunday And where we kind of introduced to you One of our ministry teams uh, The Glow team that stands for Global and Local Outreach And we introduced to you two ministry partners One globally uh, The Community Life Centers of Haiti And one locally Project SOS That will be here right in the Portage County um, that, that these two ministries We're going to be partnering with uh, In the years to come and on top of introducing them to you, uh, we also said that we were going to take up uh, all of the offering from that day and that we were going to give it to these two uh, ministries and split it down the middle to kind of help them and serve them in the beginning parts of our partnership. So I want to let you know that because of your generosity, we've collected over $52,000 that we'll be able to split between these two uh, ministries. Yes, we're very excited, excited to be part of a church that is so generous and excited of how God is going to use that money in order to help them with their ministries and serving people. All right, so we're starting a new series today called Modern Family. You know, you know as a church, one of our uh, kind of values is the family, that, you know, kind of one of our things is we desire to build the family, and, uh, and we believe that part of that is because that's what, that God has instituted the family and desires to use that for discipleship, and so since he cares about your family, we care about your family, uh, but we are going to take a slightly different approach to this series. Uh, we're going to be looking at kind of a little bit more of maybe some harder, more hot topic type things. And so it is going to be a little bit of a sensitive time uh, for as many of you probably have walked through some of the things we're going to be looking at. And so I want you to know about that as we kind of prepare uh, for the next couple weeks. And so week number one, we're going to actually look at singleness. You might ask yourself, why would we look at singleness in a series on the family? Well, there's a couple reasons for that. In fact, it's, it's very unusual to do that. Uh, I actually have a pastor's uh, friend at my last church who had a sister who was unmarried for her whole life. And uh, whenever we would do as a church a family series, she would tell her brother, hey, like, I'm going to deuce out for the next four to six weeks. I'll be back when you've preached something that pertains to me. And so now it's all the, the married people's turn. You know, you, we'll see you in a couple weeks. No, I'm just kidding. Don't do that. We're going to deal with singleness this week. Come back next week as we continue to walk through this series on Modern Family. But, so, there's two reasons why we want to start with singleness. First, if you are in uh, single, in, in that circumstance in your life, no matter what brought you to that point, maybe you've never been maybe married, maybe you are divorced, maybe you are uh, lost your spouse um, for whatever reason, uh, we want you to know that, that this season you're in, if your kind of hope is to be married someday— that this season in your life can be some of the most fruitful ground and fruitful times in your life to prepare for a healthy, healthy marriage and a healthy family. And so it's important to look at this step and, and kind of see what God's word says about it kind of in preparation for the modern family. But two, and we want you to know this, that if you are single, you are a valued member of God's family. 
And sometimes it may not feel that way oftentimes when you come to church and even in a church like ours that talks about wanting to build the family and care for the family, it may, you may feel like maybe you don't belong. But we believe you are a valued member of God's family and, and because you matter to God, you matter to us and we are so excited and glad that you're here. So we're going to spend today looking at singleness in the context of this idea of the modern family. And so we're going to be in 1 Corinthians chapter 7. If you have your Bibles, you can turn there. The uh, verses will be on the screen behind me. We're going to look at kind of two portions of this passage. To give you some context, uh, 1 Corinthians was written by Paul to the church in Corinth. And uh, he wrote it to address some issues that kind of had filtered back to him. He got like a report about how things were going at the church. And uh, there were some concerning things there, some doctrines that were, be or were being taught that were false. They had all kinds of perspectives on marriage and sex and other things that were all upside down. And so Paul was writing to them to address those issues. And in chapter 7 particularly, uh, in the beginning, he starts the entire chapter talking about marriage and God's design for sex within marriage. And then he goes immediately from that, talking about the gift and the design for it, to verse 6, uh, which we're going to look at here in a second. But what I want you to know is in this chapter, there's four things we're going to see this morning. I want to put, put it out there. The last time I had a message with four points, some of you all freaked out. So hang in there. I know normally we're a three-point church, but I'm feeling a little crazy this morning. We're going to go four points. But the four points are this. An unexpected gift, a harmful eagerness, a spiritual family, uh, and an undivided devotion. So first point we're going to look at is an unexpected gift starting in verse 6. Coming right on the heels of him talking about marriage and the design for sex within the marriage. He says, now as a concession, not a command, I say this. I wish that all of you uh, were as I myself am, but each has his own gift from God, one of one kind and one of another. So what Paul is saying here, what you need to know about Paul is Paul was a single man. That he was an apostle of God, and God used him to do some incredible things. He went on missionary journeys, planted churches, wrote a good portion of the New Testament. But he did that as a single man. And he's saying this, it's, it's really kind of almost comical, where he's kind of talking about marriage and the, the design for sex within marriage. But then he kind of goes and says, I kind of wish you all were like me. He said, it's like kind of like this beautiful, you know, kind of like putting sex on a pedestal and saying, but you can live your life without it. He says, I wish you were like me. But then he goes, but each has his own gift. So he calls singleness in this passage a gift, but also marriage as a gift. And the point he's trying to get across is that no matter where you find yourself in life, it is a gift from God. Maybe not the circumstances that get you there, but certainly the season that you're in, God can use that in your life to show him in real, or who he is and reveal more of himself to you. You know, when we talk about singleness, uh, a lot of times there's a perspective that sing singleness is almost a problem that needs to be solved. It's not something that, that people want and desire because they're longing, you know, to be married and take that next step in their life. You know, it may, you look at this and you might say to yourself, how can singleness be a gift? And if it is a gift, it's, it's more of an unwanted gift. I don't know if you remember growing up, you know, when you came down uh, at Christmas morning and you see the presents of the tree and you begin the process of opening presents only to find, you know, a pair of socks, 
right? As a kid, you're like, I wanted the toy, now you got me socks. Or if you've ever gone, like, trick-or-treating, and you go to that one house, instead of candy, instead of the Reese's cups that you really want, they give you a toothbrush. It's like, this is an unwanted gift. Like, I have hopes and dreams for my life. I want to be married. I want to be, you know, happy. I want to find that special someone, that soulmate that I can do life with. And it feels like singleness is almost seen as a negative thing, a disease that needs to be cured, a problem that needs to be solved. Paul takes a completely different approach and says singleness is not a problem, it's not a disease. In fact, it's a gift. It's a gift from God. Jonathan Holmes, in a a kind of a, a, a breakout session of a conference I went to, said this about singleness a couple years ago. He said, singleness is neither a transition to marriage or a wilderness to be endured. Meaning that the season you're in right now is not one that's, that is, is just a simple transition to something better. And it's not a wilderness to endure, that there's actually a giftedness, that something that God can do special in your life now. Well, Paul goes on to say here in verse 8 and 9, and actually addresses another view of singleness that I think we see back in his culture, in his day, as well as ours. But in verse 8 and 9, he says, To the unmarried and the widows, I say... That it is good for them to remain single, as I am. But if they cannot exercise self-control, they should marry. For it is better to marry than to burn with passion. Another view of singleness is it's almost put on a pedestal. And this almost is tied in with the view that we as humans are, are sexual beings and sexual creatures. And so because of that, we should have the freedom to pursue our sexual desires. And what Paul is pushing up against that, he says, marriage and singleness is, are both gifts, but when you're, being, when you're single, it's not to be used as a weapon to pursue the things of the flesh. He says, if you're not able to control yourself and you're fill, burning with passion, it is better for you to marry than to live in sin. Uh, a pastor and a, an author, his name's Sam Alberry, he wrote this book, and I just want to suggest a resource to you. It's called Seven Myths About Singleness. And what you need to know about Sam is that Sam, uh, being a pastor and uh, someone who is single, is, is, uh, is particularly unique to him because he uh, admits to having same-sex attraction. And, but, but because he believes in scripture and because he trusts in God's design for marriage, he chooses to live a life as a pastor and as a, you know, a, a normal human being, right? As a, a celibate, single person. And in the midst of that, the, one of his kind of goals oftentimes in his writing is to deal biblically with these things. So this book on the seven myths of singleness kind of shows kind of how singleness actually is a gift. And that someone who is single can live a full, fruitful, blessed, happy life in the context of a relationship with God. But he defines singleness as this. And I think this is helpful to kind of think about what Paul is trying to say here. He says this, from the point of view of Christianity, to be single means being both unmarried and committed for as long as we remain unmarried to sexual abstinence. He kind of combines what Paul has saying and saying, hey, like it is good for you to be single. It's a gift. But if you can't control yourself and you can't, you know, you're burning with passion, it's better for you to marry than to be living in sin. See, the Bible has no concept of, of, of singleness uh, that is used as a way to pursue your earthly uh, sexual passions and desires. He says that is designed for the marriage covenant. And it's, it's important for us to think about that because there's no even real biblical understanding of, of modern even dating. 
that the, the Bible really kind of puts you in two categories. You're either married or you're not married. And so God is calling, and Paul is calling to a greater standard here of saying, hey, there is purpose in that. And this is why it's an unexpected gift, right? Because in our culture, in our society, it's, it's either, hey, you need someone to be happy, and if you don't have somebody, at least you should pursue your passions and your, the things in your heart that will make you happy until you get there. What Paul is saying, he says, you can live unmarried and committed to sexual abstinence and still have a full life, a happy life, a content life in Christ. And this was revolutionary even during that culture, during that time, because uh, so much was tied into your identity and your relationship status. If you were single, you were viewed uh, differently than you were when you were married. And, and in some ways, if you are single, maybe you feel that even in the church. You know, that's not the description that the Bible gives us. And Paul is kind of pushing up against that and saying, hey, singleness is a good thing. We move from that, an unexpected gift, to a harmful eagerness. I do believe it, and this is, you know, for someone as I experienced when I was uh, in college and even as a young adult who was single, uh, this eagerness to get married, right? I wanted to move on to the next stage of my life, to find the special someone, to be married. And a lot of that was even grounded in kind of my experience growing up. You know, I was a uh, middle child, and, and, and for whatever reason, sometimes middle children struggle to feel loved and feel, you know, you know, maybe feel insecure and other things like that. I was not, did not have a lot of friends growing up, was not popular in high school, and I remember even as a younger, you know, middle school and high school, you know, student, I was thinking to myself, if I only found a special someone that, that, that then I would be happy, then I would be complete. And that eagerness, oftentimes what we'll do, will lead us to compromise our faith and our standards and pursue things that are not of God in order to fill a hole in our heart that a, that a spouse will never be able to fill. And so even some collateral damage with that sometimes is even in our marriages, we have expectations uh, that can suffocate and crush our marriages. Honestly, in the first couple years of our marriage, uh, it was very similar to that, where it's like I was expecting to, to, to have a hole in my heart filled by a spouse that could only be filled by Christ. And so it's a harmful eagerness. This is what Paul says about that, verse 25 to 28. He says, now concerning the betrothed, I have no command for the Lord, but I give my judgment as one who, by the Lord's mercy, is trustworthy. It's basically saying here, I, this is not a command from God, but this is coming from somebody who is wise in the Lord and is trustworthy and has good judgment. He says, verse 26, I think that in view of the present distress, it is good for a person to remain as he is. Are you bound to wife? Do not seek to be free. Are you free from a wife? Do not seek a wife. But if you do marry, you have not sinned. And if, you, and if a betrothed woman marries, she has not sinned. Yet those who marry will have worldly troubles. And I would spare you that. Sounds like Paul's trashing marriage, doesn't it? <laughs> but what, he, what he's saying here is he's kind of addressing the situation in Corinth. Like the church was a mess. The culture was a mess. Things were going uh, even more difficult for Christians because now they're facing, beginning to kind of start face persecution. And he's kind of saying like, hey, wherever you're at right now, there's a temptation and eagerness maybe to, to get out of that situation to kind of, you know, experience freedom and, and experience the things that maybe that would kind of separate you from the difficulties that you're facing. And what he's saying, whether you are married or you're single, don't be too eager. If you're married, don't be too eager to be single. If you're single, don't be too eager to be married. But he says if you do marry, it's not a sin. 
He says, yet those who will marry will have worldly troubles. Now, I will define kind of what he means by worldly troubles. He's not saying that you are, you're kind of experiencing sinful troubles inside your marriage, even though that is an experience that, that many people will face. Because when you have two broken people, two sinful people, and you put them together in a committed marriage relationship and put them in the same house, and they're different people with different personalities and different interests and different whatever, it can sometimes be chaotic. You know, uh, what he's kind of pointing at here is he's just letting them know, he says that marriage is hard. Marriage is difficult. For those of us who are married can, can probably, you know, agree with me on that, that there are seasons in marriage that is difficult. You know, I, I'll just tell you, my wife and I, we've been married coming up on 15 years, and I'm not a scientist, but I did have a whole head of hair when we, we were first married. <laughs> I'm not saying those things too relate, but... No, I'm just kidding. But we, uh, uh, I certainly married my, my better half for sure. But I'm just telling you, like, marriage is difficult. And he's kind of saying, like, in the midst of all the distress you're facing, why complicate things? Again, because he's pointing to the fact that singleness is a gift. And he's going to continue to gonna walk through this. Now, I want to say the difference or the opposite of eagerness is contentment. That whatever situation we find ourselves in, even in our singleness, the, the, the goal is to co be content. To co be content in the situation we have, to trust God that, that he holds your future in his hands, and that when the time is right, if that's what you so desire, that he would provide for you for someone to be married to. And in fact, in the meantime, I think you have a great opportunity to be a witness to a world that, that the culture says completely opposite, that you need to have someone to be happy. Peter Hubbard says this about single Christians. I think this is so encouraging and powerful. He says, single Christians living in purity and community are billboards for the sufficiency of Jesus. Meaning that when a single person uh, is, no matter whatever circumstance brought them to that point, are content, they find community with the body of Christ, and they're living in purity, it is a billboard shouting to the world that Christ really is all we need. And that doesn't mean that God won't bring you to a point where you do find someone to marry. It just means in this moment, you can have contentment and trust God with your future. And that can be a great witness to the world around us. It brings us to number three, a spiritual family. Verses uh, 29 through 31, it says this. This is what I mean, brothers. Okay? So he's going to talk about worldly troubles. He's going to explain what he means by that. He says, the appointed time has grown very short. From now on, let those who have wives live as though they had none. Now, I'm going to get to that in a second. He's not saying if you have a wife, it might as well go live like you don't have one. He's not saying that. We'll get there in a second. He says, none of those who mourn all as though they were not mourning, and those who rejoice as though they were not rejoicing, and those who buy as though they had no goods, and those who deal uh, with the world as though they had no dealings with it. For this present form of this world is passing away. What Paul is doing is he's trying to get the Corinthians to have a perspective shift in their life. They're so focused on the things of this world, the things that really Paul is pointing out are temporary, and that we should have a perspective on the eternal things. See, he's pointing to the fact that the, like, the history of humanity is going somewhere. 
that Jesus will one day return and establish a new heaven and new earth where the kingdom of God will be together forever. And in that kingdom, the Bible actually speaks to this, that people will not be given in marriage. Therefore, the gift of singleness and the gift of marriage are temporary gifts. That when we enter into that kingdom and God establishes it through Christ for eternity, we will not stand before God and worship Him for eternity in fellowship with Him as singles or as married, as divorced, as widowed or widowed. We're going to stand before as brother and sisters in Christ. And so he's saying, like, you need to have an eternal perspective no matter where you find yourself, whether it's single or whether it's married. And the idea here is that you have, you may not have a family in the sense that you may not be married and you may not have children, but you have a spiritual family, a family that will be with you in eternity. And I believe we should be a church that represents that, that we don't have to wait for eternity to experience the kind of community that God has for us and designed for us to have for eternity. We can have that community here and now. And so my encouragement to you, if you're single, I know it's, it's sometimes awkward, right? To, maybe you get into a community group and you're the only single person uh, with other married people. Maybe you get on a ministry team and, you know, you, you realize that other people don't have the same experience as you and you can feel maybe like you don't fit in. I, I want to encourage you to fight that urge, to fight that awkwardness. Because I believe that God has a beautiful community for you here. You know, I'll tell you as a pastor, sometimes we, uh, we have a hard time understanding how, like, how we can structurally kind of build this kind of community here at Silver Creek Church. And what I really think it's going to take is that we become a church that, that lives in such a way where we're practicing biblical hospitality. That we're not necessarily looking for people that live like us and, and have, I mean, all the same circumstances that we do, but we will see each other as God sees us, as brothers and sisters in Christ. The, the closest thing that I experienced this was when I was uh, in college uh, as a, a single guy. Um, I was at a church my, uh, where my dad was a pastor um, up in actually north uh, in Jefferson, Ohio. He was a pastor up there. And uh, there was a couple in our church. They were, uh, they were empty nesters. They were grandparents. They were, you know, certainly older than the college age group. But they had a heart to kind of invest in the next generation. And said, so we're going to start investing in the young adults, in the singles in our church. Invited them over to their house. We had meals with them. We did Bible study together together we went on retreat together and i'm just telling you there's a beautiful part of community there where even though we were different we still felt like we were part of the same family we need to be a church that's practicing biblical hospitality and breaking down some of those walls that even if someone may not be in the same relational status as we are and have the same things that we're going through but we can still have community and courage one another. The Bible actually tells us uh, similar uh, concepts with this in Romans chapter 12 verses 4 through 5 that says, for as in one body we have many members and the members do not all have the same function. So we, though many, are one body in Christ and individually members of one another. What it is saying here essentially is that we are one body united together as a church family. And traditionally this is used to talk about different gifts, but I certainly think different relationship status is also would apply. So if you are a single and you're having a hard time maybe plugging into community here, I want you to know from one of your pastors, you belong. And we want you to be here. We want to help you to find that community the best way we can. It's not going to be always easy. Sometimes it's going to be awkward, but I'm telling you, 
once you find that community and understand that you have a spiritual family, you will find something that is beautiful and encouraging and, and ultimately what sometimes we need, even in difficult seasons, to get us through to what God has for us next. That brings us to number four, an undivided devotion. Verse 32 through 34 says this, I want you to be free from anxiety. Again, Paul seems to be trashing on marriage. He says, The unmarried man is anxious about the things of the Lord, how to please the Lord. But the married man is anxious about worldly things, how to please his wife. And his interests are divided. And the unmarried or the betrothed woman is anxious about the things of the Lord, how to be holy in body and spirit. But the married woman is anxious about worldly things, how to please her husband. Remember, he's not speaking of sinful things, he's speaking of temporary things as he kind of pointing to eternity. But there's, there's actually some both theological and practical truth in these statements. What he's doing is he's comparing those who are married with those who are unmarried. Those of us who are married, you know, we, uh, with marriage, oftentimes comes with anxieties and comes with different things that those who are unmarried don't have. As a husband, I'm worried about providing financially for my family. I'm worried about the health and the future of my children. I'm worried about things like oftentimes can cause me to put them on a pedestal over God himself. That I make their needs and the needs of our family more important than oftentimes, sometimes even God is what he is calling me to do. And as an unmarried person, it says you don't have that responsibility. So you are kind of free from that. So the only anxiety you have or should have, unfortunately, I think we create anxieties that uh, oftentimes we don't necessarily need to have. But what he's saying, you could be anxious about doing one thing and one thing alone, that which God has called you to do, doing the things the Lord has called you to do. There's also a practical side of this, right? As someone who is married and has four children, I don't have the time and the resources to just go and do whatever God needs me to do in that moment, right? And so uh, I can't be out seven nights a week serving people. I need to be in the home, you know, ministering to my kids and helping my wife and different things like that. And if I was doing that, that would have a problem in the home. My wife would tell me, I don't see you enough. You don't help me enough with the kids. You know, it would be hard for us. And then on the same time, in a practical way, for those of you who have kids, right, if you're going to go somewhere as a family, uh, like as, well, I should say this. If you go somewhere as a single person, really you're only concerned with the event you're going to. If, when you are a, someone who has children, there's actually three events you're thinking about when you go. Event number one, getting the kids out of the house. Where's your pants? Get your pants on. You know, did you brush your teeth? Did you go potty? You know, whatever it is. Then the actual event, and a lot of times when you go to the event, you're thinking, are my kids are gonna, the kids are gonna be crazy and they're gonna embarrass me and they're gonna do all those kinds of things. I love having kids, by the way. Um, <laughs> kind of sounds like I don't. I'm just being real. Number three, number three is the event is coming home. Will we get in home in time where our youngest isn't throwing a temper tantrum because he hasn't napped today and he's tired and, and of course we're going to get him in bed and, and at that moment our kids are going to decide they're starving and they're hungry and they don't want to go to bed and they want, you know, and, and that's real. But the reality is, is when you are single, those responsibilities and commitments, even though they're, they are good gifts from God, that being free from those things allows you space and time to serve God in unique ways that you wouldn't be able to do as someone who's married or has children. And so singleness is a gift because there is even things God has for you in this season uh, that are special and unique, and it's very easy to miss them. So what he's going to do here, he's going to kind of point them and challenge them with this kind of final phrase in verse 35. 
He says, I say this for your own benefit, not to lay any restraint upon you, but to promote good order and to secure your undivided devotion to the Lord. Two things I'll say about that. Whether you are single or married, what Paul is kind of saying here is that there should be good order, a proper order in your life. That if you have a relationship with Jesus, and Jesus is your Lord and Savior, he is above all things in your life and in all things in your life. Meaning that he is the one true God and we should be living our lives according to his will and that everything in our life falls under the submission of us being a part of his kingdom. A lot of times what will happen in marriages and in families, we can put our marriages and we can put our children as idols in our lives because of all the different responsibilities and commitments that can have there. I'm not saying it's a natural thing that, that we have to do, but a lot of times we do that. And so, but what he's calling here for those who are single is kind of saying in a situation right now, you don't have that divided devotion. And so you can put Christ at the center of everything. You have the opportunity to get things right in your life now uh, so that you have a proper order and that you have this undivided devotion to the Lord no matter what your life ends up turning out to be. Whether you remain single or you end up marrying somebody. That you would serve God and that would be the priority in your life no matter what life ends up looking like so to kind of wrap this up as a challenge to those who find themselves single here today I don't know what circumstances have led you to that maybe you've never been married maybe you've gone through a divorce and you're you're hurting you're thinking about your future maybe you've lost your spouse and you find yourself in this moment of trying to figure out what's next for you you know when we think about the fact that singleness is a gift right that we can have contentment in the Lord, that we have this spiritual family that God has provided us with, and that we can, in this moment, have this undivided devotion to God. My challenge would be this. Don't waste your singleness. God doesn't have you single in this moment so that you can binge watch on Netflix every night. God doesn't have you in this moment of singleness, even though he, he would not have, uh, it, maybe if the circumstances that got you there were very painful, and I'm not saying he caused that, he, he led you to that, but in this moment, he is with you, and he, he doesn't want you to waste your singleness walking through the despair for your future, but to trust him and be content in this moment, knowing that he has greater things for you now than you even realize. Don't waste your singleness. Look for ways to serve him so you have undivided devotion to him. Maybe it's an opportunity for you, a challenge for you to get involved in a community group. Maybe it's a look to get involved in a ministry. Because I'm telling you, in, you can find community in those different areas here at this church, and you'll be surprised at what God can do to bless you through those things. And so don't waste it. Dig in deep. See what God has for you. Trust in him. Be content and follow him with your life. Because I promise you, when you do, you can have just a full and blessed and happy life, even if you don't get what you're hoping for for your future. So be in the moment. Don't waste your singleness. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we love you. We thank you for your word. And we thank you how you value each and every one of us, no matter what uh, situation we find ourselves in. And that we can come to you and connect with you as our Savior, knowing that we are loved, we are cared for, and Lord, that ultimately you have great things for us. Lord, help us all to be undivided in our devotion to you. Lord, to manage our life circumstances well so that we are serving you in everything. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.